We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Rob Doster here, and you are listening to a Field of 68 NBA Draft Prospect Profile. We're going to be rolling these out all month, leading up to a full first round live mock draft with the six NBA draft experts that we're going to be hosting one week before the actual draft itself takes place. While you're here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and a review, that stuff really does help us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on any of the platforms that you listen to the audio of this show. But listen, that's enough of that. That's enough of the promos. Let's get into today's prospect profile. Welcome back to the Field of 68 2023 NBA Draft Player Profiles. I'm Greg Waddell. I am joined today by the one and only Rob Doster. And guess what? We're talking a UConn Husky today. Adama Sanogo, the best player on the national champions. 17 points a game, 7 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 61% from the floor. And Rob, 36 percent from three-point range after not making a three his first two years in college will Adama Sanogo find a fit in the NBA and be a long-term player maybe a second contract player yes or no uh I think so I think he is a guy that will hang around the league for a while I don't think that he is ever going to be a star I think he is somebody that is going to have to accept that at the NBA level, he's bringing in to do a very specific job, something like a Kavon Looney with the Warriors. Not the same kind of player, but a guy who went from being a top 10 prospect, a guy that was thought to have the potential to be one of these like star big combo forwards heading into the NBA. I think when he came out of high school, there were comps of like Carmelo and Paul George and players of that ilk. He's gotten to the league and he's accepted this idea that, hey, you know what? I'm going to be 6'10". I'm going to have long arms. I'm going to be athletic. I'm going to put on all this weight, and I'm going to be the best rebounder, and I'm just going to fly around and do all the shit that nobody wants to do while Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole go out there and get buckets. And he won a championship last year as a result of it. Um, I think if you look at what Xavier Tillman is doing at Memphis, a guy that is accepting his role as a defender, as a rebounder, as kind of a piece that can move the ball and somebody that does enough of a job on all of those other things offensively that he becomes a threat. I think that's another thing that you could look at with, with Adama. Now I would expect that he probably ends up going undrafted, right? And if he is drafted, I think it's going to end up being a late second round pick, but 
I do think that he is a guy that at the end of the day, you want to bet on the human being here. And the reason I say that is he's only been playing basketball for six years. That's when he came here uh, from Mali. And every year you can see the level of progression that he's making and you see the level of work that he's putting in. When he got to UConn, he was like this chunky dude that couldn't really do much other than like score those little jump hooks in the paint and get a couple of rebounds. As a sophomore, he comes in and he's a terrific offensive rebounder and a real threat around the basket, but he hadn't learned enough about the way to play and the actual game beyond like, I'm going to get the ball in the post and I'm going to go make a move and get a bucket. Like he did, he understood how to play one-on-one of the post. He didn't understand how to play basketball within a team concepts. Then this past season, I mean, we saw what he did uh, with, with all the against Gonzaga with the five assists in the first half. You saw the threes that he hit against San Diego State in the first uh, in the first two possessions of the game of the national championship game. You just saw him develop from what he was as a freshman into the single most dominant player on a dominant national championship team when things were all said and done. And I don't think that that like that progression is going to stop. So whatever you ask him to do, he's going to do it. He's never going to be a superstar. When you're a six foot eight kind of ground bound big guy, you're kind of limited in terms of what you can be. But when it comes to asking him to do a job and play a role at the NBA level, if you see guys like Xavier Tillman and you see guys like Kevon Looney figuring out ways to be able to contribute and make a whole bunch of money and hang around the NBA as a role player, I think Adama Sonogo is going to end up doing that. I would not bet on him. I mean, I would I would not bet against him in 10 years looking up and just seeing him on like as the ninth man checking in for eight minutes on some playoff team just because he's a good teammate, he's a good role player, and he understands his job. Yeah, I think uh, everything you just said is accurate. He also is one of the most fun interviews ever. Anytime you get a microphone in front of him, you never know what's going to come out. Uh, I This is just a stance I have in general, and I don't mean to negatively apply this to Adama too much, but you mentioned like he's only played basketball for six years. I hate those guys in general. Like uh, They're very impressive stories. I give them credit whenever it happens. A lot of times it's guys that come over from impoverished countries and you know they're, they're these athletic feats that learn how to play the game. And Joel Embiid's a great example of, oh my God, look how far he's come now. He's the NBA MVP. Sonogo's story is incredible. Give me a guy who did play basketball since they were like three years old, though. Like <laughs> not, nine times out of 10, like it's it's impressive. It's not something that makes me want to draft you. Uh, what does make me want to draft Adama Sanogo here is I think he's added to his game every single year in a major way. And I don't think you see that from especially the big men in college very often. We're going to talk about another center prospect in this draft right after we wrap this video, who I don't think has added to his game. Sonogo absolutely has. The shooting numbers were really impressive to me as a junior. He played less minutes as a junior than he did as a sophomore, and his production across the board was up. That's wildly impressive on a team that had a lot of different options to score the basketball. Um, it, it, like you mentioned, there's games he's had a bunch of assists. There's games he just dominated on the boards. Uh, pretty much every way a college center can impact the game. He's had games where he's won a game for UConn by doing that. So I think he's a really versatile piece as far as if he does go undrafted, like he would be at the top of my list if I'm an NBA GM of who can I try to go get my hands on without having to spend a draft pick. But I wouldn't be shocked if a team does decide to throw a late second round flyer his way. Um, let me ask you this. Are you surprised at all that he is remaining in the NBA draft? Because there were a lot of rumors he was going to end up in the transfer portal and play another year of college basketball. A little bit. Um, a little bit. I thought that there was 
there was no way that both him and Donovan Klingon were both going to be at UConn again next year. It just, it was not going to happen. Um, I don't think either party would have wanted that. I don't think that Klingon would have returned to school if it was guaranteed that Sonogo was going to come back to school. Um, I think that uh, he, when he weighed his options, it was, okay, do I want to go play somewhere else other than UConn where maybe UConn fans aren't going to be happy with that, where maybe I'm not going to have a chance to be a legend, or am I going to shoot my shot and see if I could end up being uh, a guy that can latch on with an NBA team or end up in Europe like that. That the other thing about him is that he's going to be an incredibly valuable player for some of those big Euroleague teams because he's basically an, an American basketball player that doesn't have an American passport. And what people don't talk enough about him is uh, or about players like that is you you only get a certain number of Americans when you are playing on some of those uh, some of those teams um, that can pay the most money. Uh, in in the Euro League and in, in in the Spanish League and in some of those other overseas um, uh, those overseas leagues, so he, wherever he goes, he's going to have a chance to make a very good living playing basketball. Whether that is as a guy on an NBA roster, whether it is somebody on a two way contract, which is for my money is probably the most likely outcome here, um, because I do think, look, at the end of the day, he is six foot eight. He is 260-whatever pounds. He is a guy that is a below-the-rim player. He is not a great rim protector. Um, he's good at getting in the way, and I do think that the next step in his evolution as a player is going to be uh, as a guy that could be a little bit more switchable. I don't think he's ever someone that you can play one through five against as a five-man, but I do think he's going to be someone that is effective against drop in, in drop coverage and someone that, if he is forced to, can do a job staying in front of a, a guard. Um, but a lot of this is betting on the human being, right? As opposed to betting on the basketball player with the physical tools and what he was last season. What he was last season is probably a guy that is undraftable, right? But if you bet on the continued development, if you bet on the piece that's going to be in the locker room, if you bet on the idea that he is going to find a role and thrive in it, then he's someone that I think is worth uh, the, the relatively minimal investment that it will take to get him into your organization. Rob, 19 years ago, Emeka Okafor was selected second overall in the NBA draft. If Adama Sanogo was just thrown in a time machine and dropped into the 2004 NBA draft, where does he get taken? Right after Emeka. He's right there? Yeah, he's right after Emeka, right before Ben Gordon, who was the number three pick in that draft. I, I, imagine that. Three UConn guys in the top four of a draft couldn't be better. That's a world couldn't be I better, Greg. No, but like he is a guy that would have thrived in that area of the NBA, right? When in an era where people throw the ball into the post and you have time to actually go to work, because I mean he's he's so patient on the block. Like that's the thing that more than anything else, I think the where the development came from this past season and what turned UConn um, from a team that kind of struggled a little bit with when Adam was playing the five to a team that was almost unstoppable when he was at the five is that he figured out um, that. Being patient didn't just mean it took him a little bit longer to get his shot. It meant like you you see you, you view who's coming, you see where the double team is coming, you take your time and you make the pass that you need to make. Oh, there's no double team coming. All right, let me go score one on one against Ryan Kalkbrenner. Right? He learned how to play, and I think that is the more than anything else. I think that's the one thing that I can say is like the dude had no idea how to play basketball in a five on five setting when he got to UConn. He's one of he was one of those guys that's like a workout warrior, and he he's great in a setting where it's one on one in the gym. 
but you ask him to understand what's going on around him. And he didn't get that really until his junior year. And it wasn't really honestly until the end of his junior year that he started figuring it out because he's so young as a basketball player. And that's the one thing that I'll push back on with what you said before is that I do think that with a guy like him, where you've seen the development, right. And you've seen the trajectory. I don't think, there's two there's two schools of thought there. One is that he's already made the leap and this is kind of what he is. I don't I, I think there's still more room for him to grow, especially wow. on the defensive side of the ball. So I look, Xavier Tillman, Kevon Looney, guys in that ilk that kind of get there and understand, like, okay, this is the job that I have to do. All right, I'm gonna go do it. I think he's gonna be a guy like that. Yeah, and for the record, uh Xavier Tillman was six foot eight, two hundred and forty-five pounds at Michigan State. So a little undersized as well, at least uh vertically undersized there. Um, I I'm gonna give you the worst case scenario because I think we've kind of floated some best case scenarios here. Jordan Bell, Oregon Center, who a lot of guys it, coming back to that draft were like, this is a sleeper. He does all the little things. He's in the right spot. He's far from his ceiling. He's a late riser. He's an undersized center. Ends up Golden State Warriors doesn't really ever come to fruition in a rotation spot. I do think there's a world pretty quickly where like Sonogo just doesn't have any sort of next steps. And this is the best version of him. And if that happens, then you're right. He probably is an overseas guy. Um, but okay, gun to your head. You've seen well, it. That, that, so the, the the Jordan Bell thing is the perfect the perfect comparison there. Um, again, it's not they are different athletes and the way that they do the job is different. But Jordan Bell was a guy who it was kind of you're betting on the athlete. He could do all of these things. He could play this role, but he needs to figure out how to work within the context of five on five. He never developed that ability to like, um, if you set a screen and two guys go to Steph Curry and the ball gets thrown to you and all of a sudden you're playing four on three for like a half second, can you make the right pass? Can you make the right read? Can you find a way to be able to take advantage of that moment, which Draymond Green does better than anybody else in the history of the sport? That's where that that's the the step for Adama Sanogo. Like you got to figure that part out, and if you learn that part, then all of a sudden you become a weapon because of some of the other things that you can do. So, um, I I really that that's yeah. I mean, I like that comparison. Wow, uh, a Rob Doster stamp of approval on a Monday afternoon. Not a better way to for start you, your week, big day. Folks. Uh, all right. Uh, if you enjoyed this video. You will enjoy our live NBA mock draft Thursday, June 15th, 7 p.m. We are bringing in the biggest names in the business to come break down and make selections live for every single pick in the first round. Uh, that'll be on the Field of 68 YouTube channel, along with all of the other NBA draft prospect profiles we have done this offseason. We're totaling nearly 100 of those. So go over to the channel, click subscribe while you're over there. Uh, and consume all of our NBA Draft content leading up to the official NBA Draft next week. For Rob Doster, my name is Greg Waddell, and we will see you next time. Ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68, that's Field 68-F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back. 2023 NBA Draft Player Profiles here with the Field of 68. My name is Greg Waddell, and I am joined by the insufferable national champion, Rob Doster. Why do I say insufferable? Because we're talking about a few of his boys today, starting with the one and only Andre Jackson. Glue guy extraordinaire. That's what I've called him throughout the college basketball season. I'm very excited to see if Rob believes this will translate up to the NBA level, six points per game, six rebounds per game, five assists per game, 43% from the floor. The shooting numbers are a little dicey for a quote-unquote hopeful NBA glue guy. Rob, do you think that Andre Jackson's all-around winning little things game will actually be impactful for an NBA organization? Uh, I do. I do very much so. I think that he is the best connective piece that you can find in this draft. Like he's not a guy that's going to be a superstar. He's not someone that's going to come in and average 18 points a game. He's not somebody that's going to come in and probably ever shoot better than like 33% from beyond the arc. What he is, is one of the highest IQ players that you're going to find, especially on the defensive side of the ball. What he is, is one of the best athletes that you're going to find, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He is somewhere between like a free safety um, and like a middle linebacker. He is exceptionally smart when it comes to being able to break up what other teams are doing. He's able to read passing lanes. He's absolutely electric in transition. Uh, he is, though, for my money, finding a way to utilize him while he was such a liability on the offensive end of the floor because of his shooting was what turned UConn from the team that struggled in January to the team that just steamrolled everybody in February and March and into the, the NCAA tournament title game in April. Um, we called him on the Top Dogs podcast, Andre 
fucking Jackson because when he <laughs> plays like AFJ, he is as impactful as anybody that you're going to find. Um, you're not using a lottery pick on him. Uh, he is one of these guys where you take him in the 26 to 30 range or early in the second round where you get him at a pretty cheap price and you know that you are a good enough team where you just need a guy that can come in and do a job for you for 15 minutes a game. He is that. I think, and tell me if this is crazy, there are some shades of Draymond Green in him in the sense Whoa. that he's you're not bringing him in to be a guy that's going to be the superstar. But if you put good pieces around him, he elevates the play. He, now, I'm not, I don't think he's going to be at that same level, right? Like Draymond Green is a Hall of Famer. Andre Jackson is probably going to cap out as like the fifth starter on a good basketball team. But Andre, the, the Draymond Green's greatest skill was making all of the good players around him just a little bit better to the point where the Golden State Warriors became a dynasty, right? And I think Andre Jackson is the kind of guy you put him on the floor with a team that's a playoff team, and all of a sudden, instead of getting knocked out in like the second round, you got a team that's a threat in the conference finals. I just I think that he is that high of an IQ player. I think he has that much of an impact, and I think in three or four years, we're going to be looking at him as something in the vein of like uh, Warriors, Andre Iguodala to like, the Nuggets, Aaron, like something like that. Just a guy who's not the best player, but who just goes out there and does a good job. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I am really intrigued with where Jackson lands because I think fit arguably matters more with him and his outlook than maybe any other player in the draft because I'm convinced if you throw him on a title contending team right now, and all he has to do is be the fifth offensive option every time he's on the floor, guard his ass off, bring all the intangible shit, the leadership, the communication, the toughness. Like, of course, he has all of that. There's no question with that. If you throw him on, I'm trying, the joke always used to be the Sacramento Kings, right? But now the Kings are a good team. If you throw him on the Houston Rockets and he's their the second Kings, round pick. The Kings actually could use him. Like, they need <laughs> a dude could. that could be a switchable defender around a bunch <laughs> of guys that just go out and get buckets. Like, he actually makes a lot of sense on the Kings. But it's the first time we've ever said that about Sacramento. But, like, let's say he lands on Houston. I, that would be a terrifying land for him. And I would be very concerned about his long-term outlook. The thing with Draymond... I like that in, I think, for the, like, why you're going to that comp. I get what you're saying. Like, what he became within Golden State's system became higher than anybody thought he could achieve in the NBA mm -hmm. because of, honestly, he's a basketball genius, right? That's what Draymond is. And I think there are flashes of that with Jackson. I keep coming back to that one play he had. You'll probably know the specifics of it, but it was like clock winding down five seconds left in the first half. He stole a pass that wasn't even intended for him and then kicked it out to the open shooter to hit the three before the, the halftime buzzer. Like he just makes all these little plays. Nobody else in college basketball did because he sees the game faster and quicker and smarter than anybody else on the floor at all times. And you add the athleticism. There's a lot there to like what I don't like and where I would draw the line and push back on your Draymond comp is that he had nine games all last season where he scored double digit points. Draymond was the national player of the year in college. And I think honestly, looking back on Draymond's career, people seem to have forgotten. Hold like, on, hold on. Let me, let me correct play. that real quick. Draymond Green won one of like six national player of the year awards when Anthony Davis was the clear cut national player of the year. Okay. Let's just get that. Let's get I mean, that straight. You, you want, you want me to read Draymond's numbers off to you right now? The man was, Oh no, he was a stud. He was, he doubles. was a monster. He was a triple, monster. Triple doubles in the NCAA tournament, multiple with an S Andre Jackson scored in double digits once in the national title run. 
Yeah, I know. Like I the so the I used the the Draymond. I knew I knew people would push back on that. I used the Draymond Green comp because he's the best example of like what what Andre Jackson his role is. But that's also like saying a shooter could be Steph Curry, right? Like it, it's a very clearly a horrible compare. Like I'm not saying Andre Jackson is going to be a Hall of Fame level player. What I'm saying is that like that's that's kind of what you have to envision when you are yeah. drafting a guy in Andre Jackson. Yeah. I get that. Do you think that Jackson has the potential to punch a teammate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just wondering. He, uh, there was a moment this season where he he, uh, he punched a locker. So I think that, yes, there is the potential that he might punch a teammate. Um, no, but the thing about him is the other reason why I love him is there's no ego with that kid, right? Yeah. Like he very much understands who he is, what his role is, and what his job needs to be at the next level to be able to, to succeed. And I think that when it comes to role guys – in the NBA, like accepting who you are is like 90% of the battle. You know what I mean? Like, and I think he, he really understands what he does great and how that's going to make him survive at the NBA level. I just, I, I just, I, he's one of these guys where you kind of bet on the kid, right? I think that the jump shot will get to the point where it's good enough that he's going to be able to, to like, he's never going to be a guy like making pull-ups off the dribble. Right. Like he's never going to be someone that's like crossing you over, stepping back and making 28 footers over and over again. That's just not what he's going to be. He's got to be good enough where when teams, you know, they call it dorking, right? Dare the dork to shoot. When teams dare him to shoot, like what Aaron Gordon had to deal with a little bit in the in the NBA finals, like what teams did to him in January, when they dare him to shoot and they just don't guard him, he's got to make enough where you can't defend him that way. And that's basically like shoot 33% on wide open threes. And I yeah. think that that might be enough. But um, also the one, the other thing that I'll add is like, if you're drafting him at the end of the first round, like what is the, um, what's the actual cost of that? Right? Like what is, what is, what is the risk that you're taking? There's really no risk. And I think you're getting a very upside, uh, very high upside connective piece that can step in and contribute right away from day one. Yeah. So I have a couple follow-up questions for you and then I'll throw a comp at you two before we wrap this. Um, the the point about, okay, it's a low risk move for a team at the end of the first round. If uh, let's go back to the Warriors, because that's a, a, like the ultimate franchise that likes to swing for the fences with these low risk late round first round picks, right? Um uh, Imani Bates, totally different in every way than Andre Jackson. But I've heard his name thrown around as like, oh, for a winning franchise. That's a low risk move. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You're already a championship contender. If it does work, then you stumbled into, you know, a guy who has really high ceiling as a scorer in the NBA. Do you think it makes more sense for a contender to take that swing on a potential guy like Imani Bates, whose ceiling is super high, but his floor is so low versus Andre Jackson, who I feel like the floor is significantly higher here. It's just he's never going to be a superstar in the NBA, no matter how successful he is. I think it depends on which organization you are, if that makes sense. So, for example, somebody like the Miami Heat, who basically have a culture where uh, a certain level of work is expected and you have a superstar that's all built around that, you know, I don't know how much longer Jimmy Butler is going to be able to play at this level because he's he's getting up there. What is he, like 31, 32, right? So maybe two, three years left in this, like, elite peak window that he has. If you want to take someone like an Imani Bates and put him into that culture, I think that that is something that would be great for Imani, right? 
Whereas I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to do if you are trying to draft Andre Jackson. You got enough guys that are kind of like Andre Jackson on the Heat. Whereas someone like the Kings, someone like the Phoenix Suns that just need these guys that can hold it together with all of these other dudes that are already at that level of talent. I think it makes a lot more sense to look at Andre Jackson. Like you said, I think you said this at the beginning, like fit is going to matter for him more than just about anything else. And if he ends up at the right organization with the right guys around him, I, I I see him I see him thriving like those 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 big wings that can guard I legitimately think Andre Jackson guard one through four maybe if he puts on a little bit weight I think he's long enough to guard some fives depending on who you, not Nikola Jokic but like in different in different lineups I think that he might be able to guard fives at some point uh, I think guys like that that can just come in there and do a job. Are, are what NBA teams are looking for to fill out their roster. He's not going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the depth chart. But when you're just kind of plugging pieces that make everything else come together, when you're not trying to spend $100 million on a player, I think he's worth the risk. So what I'm about to say applies to probably every single player in this draft. It may sound stupid to say out loud, but I would love to see him land on a team that has a super duper star in the NBA, because I think he is the type of guy IQ wise with all the intangible things that he does, that he becomes like he reaches his 10 out of 10 value. If you pair him with a guy who is already the engine of an offense that is transcendent, that like I would love to see him paired with Jokic. I think that would be absurd. The little smart crevices he would find in the defense and ways he would help the other guys in the floor get open and play off of Nikola Jokic would be incredible. I would love to see him play off of Giannis maybe even a Jason Tatum. Whereas if you put him on a team, like going back to the Kings, we keep throwing them out. I still like him. I think he would help like take that next step forward culture wise, but I don't know that all the little things he does would be maximized the same way they would be next to a star. Like I said, you can probably say that about everybody, but with Jackson, it's even more because of what his ceiling is with all of those little things. Um, I guess 100% right about Jokic, by the way, with like with Andre's ability to cut, and his yeah. ability to catch above the rim. <laughs> Do you know how many wide open ducks he's going to get just from Jokic throwing those like the little no look behind over the shoulder passes? A million yeah. of them. It and, would be stupid. Yeah, and and one thing I will add, Andre Jackson's projected in that like twenty five to forty five range. Who just went up and bought a couple of uh, second round picks? The Nuggets did in this year's draft. I'm just saying, maybe Seriously. you could be GM of Denver one day. It's not the craziest thing in the world. It's not well, the dumbest you're... thing you've ever said, Greg. If you're the GM of Denver, let me play full GM here. I'm going to go GM of the Boston Celtics, Rob. I'm calling Portland immediately. Jalen Brown for three and Anthony Simons. And then I'm taking Andre Jackson later in the draft. You're telling me a team, Scoot Henderson, Simons, Jason Tatum, and Andre Jackson isn't all of a sudden a title team beyond what you had with Tatum and Brown? Phone it in, folks. I would love to see that fit. Um, all right. I never threw my comp at you, so let me spitball extremely quickly here. You see any Kyle Anderson in Andre Jackson? That's a basketball genius who does the little things. Yes. I think that that is, um, that is kind of the, the role that you would imagine, like the impact that he would have on a team. Now, Kyle Anderson, his nickname is slow-mo. That's Andre not Jackson, like Andre Jackson is like, <laughs> if you gave, uh, a rabbit for loco like that's kind of how he operates when he's on a basketball court so like in terms of the way that they play and how they'll get the job done it's completely different but if you want like an idea and a concept of just like 
how you plug somebody in and how it kind of makes everything else work, even when they're not the best player like that is that makes sense. And I get it. Yeah. That's kind of the role that he would play. He'd get the job done very, very, very differently, though. You yeah, like that rabbit on four loco? I absolutely love that. I was going to say nobody calls Kyle Anderson, Kyle fucking Anderson. So, <laughs> nobody uh, does. There we call are. Him Kyle <laughs> Anderson. I'm going to need that one clip, Trevor. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Trevor. We're going to need that segment. All right. Uh, wishing Andre Jackson the best, of course. Wishing you the best. That feels weird to say, Rob. But I feel like if Andre Jackson wins, you win by default. So uh, good luck with that. Hey, by the way, we're going to be doing a live NBA mock draft Thursday, June 15th, 7 p.m. we got some of the best in the business jumping on to go through every single pick in the first round of the NBA draft. Uh, we're very excited for that. That'll be on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. We also have like a 100 NBA draft player profiles, videos just like this for every single big prospect in this draft class. Go find those on the YouTube channel. For Rob Doster, my name is Greg Waddell. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.